the lie that we are going to be confronted with, uh, and that we have seen now multiple times in a row, uh, is the lie, oh, things are going down now, everything's going to get better, we can all go back to normal. We have now heard this uh, four times. One out of 311,000 in China versus one out of every 400 in the United States doesn't sound like it could possibly be the same pandemic, but it is. This is this is just how much or how little you can control the pandemic with, with policy. This is a controllable event, and COVID is not as severe as smallpox, as cholera. It is the 1918 flu pandemic. And so there's really no excuse for why in this millennium, why should millions of people be dying? This is the BAM Podcast, Episode 4. The lie behind saying COVID cases are going down and why the U.S. is number one in COVID deaths. BAM exists to build the movement needed to defeat COVID by shutting down schools, mandating vaccines, mandating masks, and winning paid leave and economic assistance for families so they can support their children's ability to learn remotely. BAM puts out the science and knowledge needed by the new mass, militant, youth-led civil rights movement to stop COVID, stop the imperialists' war drive, fight racism, stop global heating, defeat the neo-fascist far-right, defend democracy, and win equality. The movement needs leaders. It needs people to join BAM. Follow our podcast, visit our website bamban.com, and join our Discord. The link is on our website. More ways to contact us at the end. What follows are two presentations from the second tribunal of a series of national tribunals that BAM has been holding on Zoom to shut down COVID and shut down in-person schools. These tribunals began mid-January 2022 in the wake of a wave of student and teacher strikes, walkouts, and other actions to stop dangerous school reopening plans. BAM held this tribunal January 22nd to arm activists with the knowledge and arguments needed to lead the movement to save lives and build the power of our communities. Shanta Driver has proven to be a true civil rights leader. She has been a leader for over 50 years, starting as a Black Panther as a teenager. She graduated from Harvard University and from Wayne State University Law School. As a founder of the National Women's Rights Organizing Committee, or NROC, she spearheaded successful struggles in the early 1990s that kept abortion clinics open and defended women's right to abortion nationwide. As BAM's national chair, she applies a scientific method of analysis to understand history and intervene in ongoing current struggles. Whether being one of the few Black women attorneys ever to argue at the U.S. Supreme Court defending affirmative action, or whether in immigration court stopping deportations, or leading marches and rallies in the street, Shanta Driver leads by example. This has been a really exciting week in terms of the growth of student action and student walkouts, um, student strikes, students networking with other students, students circulating petitions, teachers joining with students, students joining with teachers, parents and community members joining with students and teachers, 
to uh, make the fight to end COVID-19 by first and foremost stopping the spread of the disease, which means shutting in-school learning down and making every single district in the nation a fully remote district. If the schools stay open, the spread of the virus will continue and it will continue to change. It will continue to mutate. There will be more breakthrough cases and we will be living with COVID as it is now, controlling our lives for an interminable amount of years to come. So I think that this has been a, an excellent, excellent start, and hopefully we will continue to have actions this week. The two preliminary points that I want to make is, one, the only thing that will work is acting, is acting, is walking out, is taking action. When that stops, then it is for sure certain that the people who oppose virtual learning and ending in-school education will win. And they'll win not because they stand on the side of right, not because they care about human life, not because they care about the mental health of the students or anyone else. They'll win because they have behind them rich and powerful forces in this society that want to get the economy reopened, by having students go back into schools and parents going back to work, no matter what the human loss or human cost of that might be. This is a ridiculous plan for restarting the economy, but it also is a plan that is certain to lead to a massive numbered number of continuing deaths, something that we have to oppose. The second thing I want to say is that in many, many places, I know that students have been fighting and, and teachers, um, often teachers fighting within their union and against their union leadership uh, to try to get limited remote learning um, in each and every district. That is to um, make it possible for remote education to take place district-wide for one week or two weeks or three weeks till the end of the month, until um, the beginning of the next month, just all kinds of different time variations. And the only thing I want to say on that is this. We have to fight for remote learning, for virtual learning, whatever it's called in your district, throughout the district, the closing of the schools now, and for that to remain so for the rest of this term. And it may sound like it's easier, like we're being more reasonable if we only ask for a week or two weeks, but the fact of the matter is the people who oppose going to remote learning oppose it as a matter of principle. And they will stand on that principle, whether we're talking about a week or two weeks, they don't care what the duration is. What they want to make sure is that virtual learning throughout a school district does not take place anywhere for a day, for a week, for the month, for the rest of this term, whatever. And that is their principle. Our principle is we must go to virtual learning now. It must be 100% in every school district. It is the only way to do things safely. And 
honestly, if we win that through student walkouts and through the continuation of student walkouts and, and protests, if there's a time in the future that students think, mm, maybe we should allow some students or offer the right of some students to have in-school learning, it will be possible for us to get that. But for now, we have to focus on what is our principal demand, which is to have remote learning throughout every district. So that's, that's what I, I wanted to start by saying. Shanta Driver's presentation was followed by another by Neil Lyons. Neil Lyons is an organizer with BAM. He has committed his life to the fight for equality, civil rights, and immigrant rights. He is a dedicated student of science and a graduate of the University of Michigan at Ann Arbor. During the pandemic, he began a rigorous study of the science, economics, and politics of COVID-19 while making use of the history of previous pandemics. He possesses an uncanny ability to convey complex scientific and political phenomena in a way that is at once coherent and practical. Most importantly, unlike most public health officials and politicians, he is unwavering when it comes to speaking the plain truth. The movement for equality and justice can be proud to call him a leader in its ranks. There's a couple of things I, I want to cover. One, obviously, the question of evolution, because the virus is, is constantly changing. And, um, and so the, there's going to be important things for, for people to know and to keep in mind as, you know, as we're all going to be hearing the constant lie that, you know, oh, cases are going down, everything's going away, we can all get back to normal, and that's just a, a, a giant lie. But I also want to talk um, a bit about, you know, why are these policies so insane? And that's, uh, that's an economic question. Um, and, and I actually want to start there. Um, the, uh, the head of the International Monetary Fund is calling on China to end its policies of uh, lockdowns and, and basically to end its zero COVID uh, strategy, saying that that's bad for the international economy. Um, and, uh, you know, that's a very strange uh, debate to be having. And it's not one that you are going to necessarily hear in the news, you know, but, you know, this is the head of a major international organization, the IMF, the International Monetary Fund, telling China, you should accept more COVID cases and deaths so that uh, everyone else, you know, can be doing better in the economy. Um, and, you know, what, what is all of that? What is all of that about? Um, and the, you know, there have been very explicit uh, statements and, and exact calculations of what does it cost the, what does it cost the economy to have schools closed, to have parents staying home from work, all of these things. And the overwhelming driving force behind the insane policies in the United States and a number of other countries is just keep the economy as open as possible, no matter how many people die. Um, that's what we're really looking at. Um, 
And these kinds of policies, whether or not you close down schools and close down businesses and have, you know, you know, close down entire cities in, in the case of, of many countries like, you know, China, Australia, New Zealand, um, these have an enormous effect on the number of people who die. Um, countries that have higher vaccination rates, you know, wear masks. Um, things don't look the same when you when you change your policies. Um, you know, just to to compare, uh, you know, the United States has already lost uh, one out of every four hundred people in the country as a whole. Um, that has been the death toll that uh, the UK has lost uh, about one out of every 450. Um, but contrast that with countries that have done real lockdowns. Australia has lost one out of every 11,000 people. Um, that doesn't sound like the same virus as we're having, but it is the same virus. You know, it's just that in this country, one out of every 400 are dead. Uh, and in Australia, it's one out of every 11,000. In New Zealand, one out of every 98,000. Um, and uh, in China, uh, the nation that the International Monetary Fund is, is uh, saying needs to change its policy, uh, they've only lost one out of every 311,000. Um, and one out of 311,000 in China versus one out of every 400 in the United States doesn't sound like it could possibly be the same pandemic, but it is. This is, this is just how much or how little you can control the pandemic with, with policy. That's all the, that's all the difference is in, in this whole situation. This is a controllable event, and it, you know it has been, you know, relatively controllable. The, you know, uh, and COVID is not as severe as smallpox, as cholera. It is not as severe as the 1918 flu pandemic, and so there's really no excuse for why in this millennium, why should millions of people be dying? from something that is less severe than what humankind has faced before. And the only reason why we have millions of people dying is because the policies are just that bad. And it has been a policy to ignore, um, you know, everything that, that we have learned from science and everything that we have learned from previous pandemics. Um, the, the lie that we are gonna be confronted with uh, and that we have seen now multiple times in a row uh, is the lie, oh, things are going down now, everything's going to get better, we can all go back to normal. We have now heard this uh, four times in the United States when we received the original uh, wave of infections that came from, from Wuhan, China, um, and that wave tapered off, everyone was told they could go back to normal and uh, people attempted to open summer school and open school the next fall. And, and, uh, and then surprise, surprise, 
alpha variant comes along. And they said, oh, we didn't see that coming. That's not true. Everyone who studies viruses knows that evolution is, is a fact and knows that you know, we go through many different strains of the flu virus and, uh, and that keeps evolving. Um, and so we get hit with the alpha variant and that's uh, the end of 2020, beginning of 2021. And, uh, and alpha hit very hard and it became dominant uh, you know, before the spring in the United States. And as that started to taper off in the spring, they said, okay, now that's going away. Everything's better now. If you're vaccinated, you don't have to wear masks anymore. We can all go back to normal life like that. And that, of course, left everyone completely vulnerable for the Delta variant, which, uh, which came around uh, late spring and summertime. And, uh, and because they had encouraged everyone to just go back to normal uh, and even told people they could take off their masks, that left the population completely disarmed and vulnerable to Delta. And the Delta wave came and crashed and, uh, and caused a huge surge at the beginning of the school year. And, uh, and then once that started to taper off, uh, they told people, oh, look, Delta infections are finally going down. So that means it's safe to travel for the holidays this year. You can, you know, visit families for, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas, just get yourself tested. And of course that left everyone vulnerable to Omicron. Um, and it's, this is going to keep being the case. They have all understood this entire time that COVID was never going away. It just goes in cycles as, uh, as you have, you know, uh, any given wave infects as many people as it can. And, uh, and then it brings new mutations and, and uh, new variants to the forefront. Um, and that is the only rule that the virus follows. The only, the only law that it will obey is the law of evolution. Um, and uh, the more it spreads, the more it's, uh, and the more it replicates itself, every time it makes copies of itself, uh, there's a risk that it will make a wrong copy, will, will mutate in some way. And when you get lots of those mutations, you get genetic diversity. And that's genetic diversity is the key to evolution because when you have a lot of different options, you get to test and see what is the best at reproducing itself. And so every successive version we have seen, something new becomes better at reproducing itself. That's the only trend that's going to happen. COVID will never become worse at spreading. It will only become better at spreading. And, um, and now we've, you know, we've seen, um, you know, you know we, we've reached in the United States some, something around an average of like 700,000 cases per day. Um, you know, last year at this point, you know, we were only around, you know, 250,000 cases per day. Um, so this is, you know, the, this is a, you know, very clear and obvious change in the virus. It wants to become more like the flu. It wants to become more like the common cold and be just super transmissible. The kind of thing we have always seen that when one kid comes into a school with that cold, 
everybody gets it. And that that is the only possible evolutionary direction uh, for COVID to go in, just constantly uh, constantly changing in order to figure out what spreads more easily. Um, and what we are beginning to witness right now as Omicron is starting to taper off in certain parts of the country, just mainly in the Northeast, although Omicron is still growing uh, in infections in, in many other parts of the country, but we're, we are starting to hear the lie repeated again um, for the, the fourth time in a row. Oh, look, it's, it's peaked, it's going down, it will be safe again. Um, we're going to be living with COVID for a long time. The only question is, do, do we live with it safely, protecting human life? Uh, or do we live with it the way our public officials want us to, which is to live with you know, huge amounts of sickness and death as, as a regular thing? And um, you know, to the you know, billionaires who are shaping those policies and the politicians who serve those billionaires, life is cheap and people are expendable and one person is as good as another. And uh, if you drop dead, they will replace you with somebody else. Um, and you know, you, you were just a number, um, but we don't see life that way. And, and, and we don't see human beings that way. Um, but uh, you know, this kind of recklessness uh, has been for a reason. And just during the course of this pandemic, the 10 richest people in the world, those 10 richest men, doubled their wealth during you know, an historic pandemic. Uh, they doubled their wealth by having these insane policies of forcing kids back to school and forcing uh, parents back to work and teachers back to work. Um, and, uh, you know, as I said, you know, the last tribunal, that is blood money. That is money that they made at the expense of millions of lives, lives that didn't need to be lost. You know, those were preventable deaths. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, the, the lesson to take from that is, you know, all of this is, is a conscious policy decision but that's where we can be optimistic because policies can be changed. Policy is something we can affect. If the virus was doing the same thing everywhere in the world, regardless of policy, regardless of whatever we did, then we'd, we would just be at the mercy of the virus, but we're not. This can look incredibly different depending on what we do. And so the efforts that you know, people are making to shut down those schools and, and to fight for real safety, fight for mandatory vaccinations. Everyone should be vaccinated, you know, uh, even in the case of remote learning, because you can get, you know, COVID anywhere. And uh, you, you won't be learning very much if you're in the hospital or if you're dead. Um, you know, we can fight for policies that save lives. And, and I can say this to everyone who has, already been able to shut down a school with a walkout, you know, 
uh, shut down a school with a strike, keep districts remote, you know, as, as our, you know, Detroit teachers have, you know, done very successfully, you have already saved lives and, and we can save many more. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's these policies that are based on the needs for, for public health rather than the desire for private profit. Um, these are policies we can win and, and uh, we, we won't know the name of every life that was saved, but uh, uh, we'll, we will know, uh, you know, when we can see, you know, finally that, you know, today's young generation at some point emerge from this crisis um, that, uh, you know, the leaders who stood up for uh, fighting for human life today, uh, you know, the leaders of that generation will be the, you know, the leaders we want to see leading the whole world tomorrow. And, uh, and so, you know, um, you know, this is time to, to organize and, and, you know, and, uh, and start showing the, the leadership now that, that we know needs to be shown around the entire world and, and what we think the policy around human life should really be. So I'll leave it there. I can take any questions, but I, I know we have a lot more organizing to talk about. On the list of demands, you know, the main thing I, I've just emphasized is every single one of those demands is uh, uh, is an essential part of um, a fighting for for real health needs. You can't simply take one without the other. Um, they all do different things. Uh, and the, the way in which districts have misused these kinds of measures is that they advertise, oh, we, we you know, do this and this. And those are just kind of taglines for being able to advertise, look, we're doing something that must mean we're safe. Um, doing something isn't the same thing as making people safe. Everyone can say they're doing something, um, but look at the net effect. The net effect of lots of people doing something, you know, superficially has been nothing. Um, you know, I, I remember when I was in, you know, kindergarten or first grade and my mom, you know, told me to clean my room and all I did was put away my Legos. And I said, but I put away the Legos. I did, did something, and you know, but look at the rest of the room. And, um, you know, the, you know, all a lot of the district's policies have been is just a kind of way of advertising, look, we're doing something, so that means it must be safe to come back. Um, but, um, you know, things like mandatory vaccination and mandatory school closures when there's an outbreak, those things were normal just a few years ago when it came to any other serious outbreak like measles. And measles is not as deadly as COVID. COVID is a much more deadly disease than measles. But for decades and decades, longer than I have been alive, 
it has been completely normal for uh, anyone going into a school to have to be vaccinated against measles, measles, mumps, and rubella. Um, and it has also been completely normal that if you find anyone uh, has been infected who went to school, you shut down the school until you can, you know, make sure that the infection, you know, uh, hasn't spread anywhere. Um, well, none of those things is happening with COVID. And, and so we've seen this enormous leap backward in, in health protections. Um, it's clear that COVID is spreading everywhere. And, um, and so few people are, are even mandating vaccinations. That just is the most callous disregard for human life. You know, things like mandatory vaccinations and school closures have uh, the most enormous effect on how many hospitalizations and how many deaths you have. Um, uh, just uh, a, a recent study that was in yesterday's news showed that um, you know seniors who uh, uh, have gotten their booster vaccination are 49 times less likely to be hospitalized after getting COVID than someone who hasn't been vaccinated. Um, it's just an, an enormous difference. And, uh, and then the, the you know, thing that we have pointed out at every single one of our tribunals and publications, um, uh, you know, when you have school closures, when you close down in-person schools, uh, what you see in the United States is it reduces the number of cases by 62%, and it reduces the number of deaths by 58%. Um, school closures um, uh, have been measured globally, um, that when you close down schools, you see a 73% drop in the rate of infections, in the rate of transmission. Um, and so this is just uh, this is just one of those obvious, clear as day kind of things that um, you know all of the public policymakers and all of the scientists know, uh, but yet what they tell you as their PR campaign is things like, "Oh, the trend is going down," and and look, we're doing something. Uh, those are just advertising slogans to get you to come to school. Um, it may be true that cases are going down at the moment. They will go back up. And that's the pattern it keeps following. It will keep coming in waves, and that's the way viruses work. Um, the ups and downs aren't, aren't as important as the fact that it keeps on going. Um, and... Uh, and critically in South Africa, uh, we can see uh, the Omicron wave has, you know, the surge has ended and they have settled down to a new baseline, but their new baseline is 25 times higher than the old baseline before Omicron. Um, so um, how's, how's that for telling people, oh, it's going down, it's, it's all better now. It's, uh, you know, it's clear, no, it's 
not all better now, it's 25 times worse. Um, so, uh, the, you know, the, the truth is out there. The truth is in, you know, you know, so many scientific studies and, and you can find a lot of people saying a lot of true things in science, you know, scientific journals and, uh, and, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm fortunate that I've spent the last, you know, 25 years learning about evolution. And I, you know, and I read these journals almost every day. Um, and, and that's, that's helped me give, you know, lots of, lots of information to my fellow BAM organizers. Um, but uh, when you hear the things that are being spoken to the general masses, the things that are being said on TV and in popular media, it's, it's all, you know, it's all a kind of false reassurance just to get people to, you know, go back to class and go shopping in the mall again, and maybe go to a movie theater and keep spending money. And, uh, and that's, that's just a terrible lie. And it has made everyone more vulnerable, uh, you know, getting these false reassurances from people we were supposed to trust. We were supposed to believe we're on our side. And uh, and turned out they were only on the side of the people who wanted to make money. This has been the BAM Podcast. The movement needs leaders. It needs people to join BAM. Follow the BAM Podcast, visit BAMBAMN.com, and join us on our Discord to build the movement. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash BAM page. Our YouTube is youtube.com slash nationalbam. We are on Twitter at followbam, on Instagram at joinbam, and on TikTok at joinbam. Thank you for listening.